You are listening to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading and reflecting on this four-volume, over 2,500-page work of the Venerable Maria of Agreda. If you'd like to get your own four volumes, you can do so at Tan Books. And when you add them to your card and check out, use the code PODCAST15, and you'll save 15% off at checkout. And if you would like to discuss today's reading with others who are following along, you can do so on Facebook. Go over to the Mystical City of God in a Year podcast group, and there you can discuss and interact with other listeners. Today is day 62, and we are reading from Book 2, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 533 to 542. Chapter 9 of the virtue of prudence as practiced by the Most Holy Queen of Heaven. 533. As the acts of the understanding go before the acts of the will and direct them on the way, the virtues pertaining to the exercise of the understanding also precede those of the will. Although the proper sphere of the intellect is to recognize the truth and comprehend it, thereby perhaps causing a doubt whether it can be classed as a virtue, for virtue of its very nature consists in tending toward and practicing the good. Yet it is certain that there are also intellectual virtues, the practice of which is praiseworthy in proportion as they conform to reason and truth, for these are the proper good of the intellect. When, therefore, it proposes truth to the will and instructs the will to follow its guidance, then this act of the intellect is theologically good. When matters of faith are concerned and morally good, when, as for instance, in the exercise of prudence, the operations of the appetites are regulated. On this account, the virtue of prudence comes first as pertaining to the proper use of the understanding. It is, as it were, the root of the other cardinal and moral virtues. For these others are praiseworthy when accompanied by prudence, and faulty and reprehensible when devoid of it. 534. The sovereign queen, Mary, possessed this virtue of prudence, in supreme excellence, and in proportion to the height of her other virtues already described and yet to be described. On account of her wonderful prudence, the Church calls her the Virgin Most Prudent. As this virtue governs all the others, and as the whole history treats of the exercise of these virtues in the Most Holy Mary, all of what little I can say and manifest of this sea of prudence will be nothing else than a continual implied reference to her prudence, and all her works will show the splendor of this virtue. Therefore, I will speak here more in general of the prudence of the Sovereign Queen, exhibiting the different parts and qualities of prudence, as taught us by teachers and saints, in order that we may thereby obtain a better understanding of it in her regard. 535. Of the three kinds of prudence called political, purgative, and that of a soul already purified or perfect, none was wanting in our Queen and they were hers in the highest degree. For although all her faculties were most pure and perfect, or, in other words, had no need of being purified from any faultiness or opposition to virtue, yet they could be improved as regards the natural knowledge, and in as far as the progress from goodness and holiness to greatest goodness and holiness was concerned. This must be understood, of course, only of her own works, as far as they are compared with each other and not in as far as they are brought into comparison with the works of others. For in comparison with the works of other saints, there was no great or small in this city of God, whose foundations are above the holy mountains. 
But in her works, since they grew in charity and grace, from the first moment of her conception, some of them, in themselves most perfect and superior to all the works of the saints, were less perfect in comparison with other acts of a later period in her life. 536. Political prudence, in general, is that which ponders and weighs all that is to be done and reduces it to the dictates of reason, eschewing all that is not just and good. The purgative or purifying prudence is that which disposes and selects all things in such a way as to rectify the heart by divine contemplation toward all celestial things. The prudence of the purified or perfect soul is that which directs and centers all the affections upon the highest good, as if no other object existed. All these kinds of prudence existed in Most Holy Mary, in order that she might distinguish and know without fail, direct and accomplish without remissness or tardiness, whatever is most perfect and excellent in the fulfillment of her works. Never did the judgment of the Sovereign Lady and the whole range of her activity dictate or attach itself to anything which was not the best and most proper. No one ever equaled her in disposing and directing all visible or worldly matters so as to make them useful for divine contemplation. Therefore, having perceived them so intimately and in so many different lights of knowledge, she was united in such a manner to the highest good by divine love that no preoccupation or hindrance ever prevented her from resting completely in the center of her love. 5.37 It is manifest also that all the component parts of prudence existed in their entirety in our Queen. The first is memory, which retains in the mind things already experienced in the past. From past experiences are drawn many rules for proceeding and acting in the present and in the future. Because prudence concerns itself with particular actions, as there cannot be a general rule for all of them, it is necessary to draw special rules from many past examples and experiences stored up in the memory. Our sovereign was so endowed with it that she never experienced the natural defect of forgetfulness. For that which once she had understood and learnt was ever present and immovable in her memory. In regard to this blessing, most pure Mary transcended the whole human and even the angelic order, because God made her a summary of all that was most perfect in both of them. She contained in herself all the essential goodness of the human nature, and all that was most perfect and the farthest removed from blemish and the accidental qualities of man and many of the natural and many of the supernatural gifts of the angelic nature. She possessed by special privilege, and in a higher degree than the angels themselves. One of these gifts was a fixed and constant memory, incapable of forgetting what she had learnt. In regard to her memory, she excelled the angels in the same proportion as she excelled them in the virtue of prudence. 5.38 Only in one respect this blessing was limited in a mysterious manner by the humble purity of the Most Holy Mary. If the images of all things were to be fixed in the memory, it was unavoidable. That also much that springs from the vileness and sinfulness of creatures should fill its sacred precincts. Therefore the Most Humble and Pure Princess besought the Lord that the full gift of memory should not extend itself toward the preservation of these images, but only in so far as was necessary for the exercise of fraternal charity towards her neighbor, and for the practice of other virtues. The Most High granted this petition more in testimony of her humble purity than on account of any danger to which these images could expose her. 
For the sun is not harmed by the impurities which it may shine upon, nor are the angels disturbed by our vileness, since to the pure all things are pure. Titus 1.15 But in this regard the Lord of the angels wished to privilege his mother more than them. He wished to tolerate in her memory only those images which pertain to the highest sanctity, honesty, cleanliness, and the most amiable purity, and what was most pleasing to himself. Thus, her most holy soul in regard to these things was without blemish, and her memory was adorned with the representations of all that is most pure and desirable. 5.39 Another component part of the virtue of prudence is the intelligence, which principally concerns itself with what is to be done in the present moment. It is a correct and profound understanding of the reasons and principles according to which virtuous actions are to be performed. It reduces this understanding into action, not only insofar as to give a comprehensive knowledge of the excellence of virtue in general, but also insofar as to direct our activity in the proper channel for performing there, and then each particular work in a virtuous and perfect manner. Thus, when I have a deep understanding of the precept, do nothing unto others what thou wishest not to be done unto thyself, I will at once know that I shall not do this or that particular injury because it would be seen as wrong if done to me or someone else. This kind of intelligence most holy Mary possessed in so much the higher degree than all the rest of creatures as she exceeded them in knowledge of the moral virtues, in profound penetration regarding infallible rectitude, and in participation of the divine righteousness. In the light of this intelligence derived from the splendors of the divinity itself, there could be no deceit, no ignorance, no doubt, no mere opinions, as is the case with other creatures. For she understood and penetrated all the truths, both in their general and their particular bearings, and especially as far as their practical application the matter of virtue is concerned, seeing them as they are in themselves. Thus, it must be held that this part of prudence was hers in an unequaled fullness and plenitude. 540. The third component part of prudence is called providence. It is the most important of all the parts of prudence, for in human actions it is most important that the present be well ordered toward the future, so that all things may be rightly adjusted. This is effected by providence. Our Lady and Queen practice this part of prudence in a degree even more excellent, if possible, than all the other parts of prudence. For besides the vivid memory of the past and the profound understanding of things present, she had an unerring knowledge and understanding of things to come, to which her providence extended itself. With this knowledge and infused science, she so arranged all happenings that they were a preparation for the future, and nothing would come upon her unaware or by surprise. All things were by her foreseen, considered, and weighed beforehand in the sanctuary of her mind, illumined by infused light. Thus, without a shade of doubt or uncertainty, such as is the lot of other men, she awaited the events before their arrival with unerring certitude, so that for all things she found a place, a time, and opportune circumstances directing them all toward the good. 5.41. These three parts of prudence comprehend the activity of the intellect and the practice of this virtue. For they secure the good order of our actions in regard to the past, the present, and the future. However, when we consider this virtue under another aspect, namely, insofar as it perceives the proper means for the practice of virtue and directs the will to employ them rightly, the teachers and philosophers mention five other points 
or different kind of activities of prudence, namely docility, reasonableness, cleverness, circumspection, and caution. Docility is the good judgment and readiness of the creature to be taught by others, better informed than itself, and a disposition not inflated by its own knowledge and not resting unduly on its own insight and wisdom. Reasonableness, or the power of drawing correct inferences, consists in reasoning without error from generally understood principles to the particular course of action in each single case. Cleverness is a diligent attention and practical application of our activity to that which happens, enabling us to judge rightly and follow the best course of action, just as docility is attention to the teaching of others. Circumspection is a just consideration of the circumstances connected with each good, for it is not sufficient that the end of our actions be good, but it is necessary to consider the opportuneness of the circumstances. Cautiousness is a discreet attention to the dangers or impediments, so that when they occur under cover of virtue or unexpectedly, we may not be found rash or unprepared. 5.42 All these complements of prudence existed in the Queen of Heaven without any faultiness and in their fullest perfection. Docility belonged to Mary as the legitimate daughter of her incomparable humility. For though she had received the plenitude of science and from the moment of her immaculate conception, and though she was the teacher of the mother of true wisdom, she nevertheless allowed herself to be taught by her elders, by her equals, and by those below her, esteeming herself as lower than all of them, and seeking to be a disciple of those who in comparison to her were most ignorant. This docility she exhibited during her life, like a most simple dove, disguising her wisdom with a greater prudence than that of the serpent. Matthew 10.16 As a child she accepted instruction from her parents and from her teacher in the temple, from her companions, and later on from her spouse St. Joseph, from the apostles, from all creatures, she wished to learn, being a prodigy of humility, as I have said in another place, number 406 and 472. This concludes our reading today from the Mystical City of God for Day 62. We've been reading from Book 2, Chapter 9, Paragraphs 533 to 542. One of the ways in which we ask Mary to pray for us is, Mary Most Prudent, as Venerable Maria Vagrada pointed out in our reading. And you might know this if you have prayed the Litany of Loretto. There's a lot of these names of Mary that they put most. Mary most pure, Mary most chaste, Mary most prudent. And so Mary had prudence, which means she had the ability to make good decisions. I simply want to bring out just one paragraph that we read today, 541, in which the different kinds of activities of prudence were named. Docility, reasonableness, cleverness, circumspection, and caution. Remember what they are. Reasonableness, the power of drawing correct inferences, consists in reasoning without error from generally understood principles to the particular course of action in each single case. So if we say somebody is unreasonable, well, they're not using their mind or their intellect. They're not using it in the proper way. They haven't reached the correct conclusion. So we strive to be reasonable when we make a decision, and that is also prudence. Cleverness is a diligent attention and practical application of our activity to that which happens, 
enabling us to judge rightly and follow the best course of action. So we want to follow the right way, that we consider a situation and then we respond accordingly. Circumspection, that is a just consideration of the circumstance connected with each good work. For it is not sufficient that the end of our actions be good, but it is necessary to consider the opportuneness of, of the circumstances. So we realize that whatever we choose to do, the good that we're choosing, well, that's good. We have the proper end in mind. But then there's more to consider in the decision then as well. Consider the opportuneness of the circumstances. Cautiousness, that is a discreet attention to the dangers or impediments so that when they occur under cover of virtue or unexpectedly, we may not be found rash or unprepared. So sometimes something might come to us. It might look good. We might perceive it to be good, but we have to look underneath it in a sense. We have to be cautious. We have to evaluate the situation. Again, this is the exercise of prudence. So docility, to be docile is to be attentive to the teachings of others. So that informs our reason. To be docile to the teaching of another person, well, when I am considering a project or doing some sort of work, maybe I think about this task and I call to mind everything I've learned about it. And those teachings then inform my decision. Prudence. It would be good for us to pray that we might be prudent decision makers, that we might have prudence in our actions that we choose, prudence in our conversation. Mary, most prudent, pray for us. I'm Father Edward Looney, and throughout the year I'm reading from the mystical city of God. I'm honored that you joined me today, and I hope that you'll join me again tomorrow. May God bless you, and Mary pray for you.